Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, man. We back at it right here on the Champions Move podcast. It's a uh, it's a nice day here in the Northeast area. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. How's that weather out there in what they call the Windy City, Chicago? You know what? It's not bad today. I can't complain, man. Chicago, you know how it is here. Or maybe you don't know how it is here. It can be 70 today and 20 below tomorrow. So I'm just going to be happy with what I see outside. <laughs> yeah, no but... snow. No snow. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I think these uh, I think these New Yorkers and people in the New York area, they understand how it is. It's been crazy here. Really falling in the spring like we should. Uh, but look. Man, I know we don't got a lot of time, so we're going to just jump right into it, something we didn't get a chance to get into uh, the last time we were together. Let's talk NBA draft lottery and uh, the prospects in terms of the results. We know that the uh, New Orleans Pelicans walked away with that uh, coveted number one pick. We all expecting Zion Williamson to go number one. So let's begin right there. What's your thoughts on uh, the Pelicans and this Zion Williamson pick? whether you see them making the selection and, and retaining his rights, or do you think that something else might occur? Uh, I think they're going to definitely make the selection. And it looks like they're going to have to make some type of a trade with AD because it sounds like he's still unwilling to stay. Um, I know people have been talking about the money that gets left on the table. We kind of talked about this yesterday. The money doesn't matter because he wanted to leave. he wanted to leave before when the money was there. Um, so I see them, I see them moving them. I mean, the Lakers would still be a great opportunity to, to, to make that trade. You get sent them to the Lakers. You put that, put those three guys with the Lakers over there with Zion. That's a good young core to start with. That's a, that's something that's must see TV at that point. Absolutely. Agree with that. No doubt about it. I'm, I'm all in on a lineup featuring Zion Williamson, uh, I would like AD to stay. I know he wants to leave, man. But him, uh, Drew Holiday, that would really give Coach Alvin Gentry like the best team in terms of the potential and then like just a draw and just to feel like every night he really has a chance to win and win big and do something special. It's been it's been a struggle down there for Coach Alvin Gentry and the New Orleans Pelicans in recent seasons due to you know Anthony Davis' health, and I know he's. He, he's appearing, I guess we would say, you know, because we play a lot of fantasy for those who out there don't know, and we, 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 we battle a lot in fantasy. But uh, we always looking at, you know, Anthony Davis' availability in games played, and that, that's, that matters a lot, you know, to us and what we're doing. So it's got to mean much to the city. So, all right, that's, that's the Pelicans. So uh, they have the opportunity to obviously select Zion Williamson, which would leave – the Memphis Grizzlies with everyone else. The consensus on most mock boards, Lynn, are suggesting that the Grizzlies take Ja Morant. But some naysayers are saying, why take Ja Morant when you still have Mike Conley? What are your thoughts on the presence of Mike Conley being there and how that might benefit a young player like Ja Morant if the Grizzlies go that direction? I think that uh, Mike Conley can definitely be a great teacher for a Ja Morant, but when, when you have these young talents like a Zion or a Ja, in my opinion, they have to play. And him behind Mike Conley will more stunt his growth than anything. 
it's similar to what we saw with um uh what's my kid's name in Cleveland this season? Um Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton had a good season under the radar because he was just allowed to play. You know, he had to play through his mistakes. There wasn't anyone that you could, you know, snatch him off the court and put on on the court if he made mistakes. John Morant's going to need something like that. Let him get out there and play so we can see what it really looks like. Because it's not like they played um, against strong competition all season in the college ranks. So we really don't even know what John Morant is, um, right. to, be, to be honest. Yeah, especially as an NBA player. Right. So I, I don't like him in Memphis behind Mike Conley, but I mean, you have to take the best player on the board as well. So there's always the opportunity for Mike Conley to be leaving Memphis. We thought he was going to be leaving before the trade deadline last uh, this last season when they moved Mark Gasol. So there's still that. There's still right. this, the situation where he's where you, you draft him and you trade Mike Conley for, you know, a big man or something else that you need another position to fill. But yeah, I like Absolutely, I agree. I I like the idea of the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, two of those teams who are really struggling, you know, in terms of, you know, box office draw and attendance, uh, getting arguably, you know, the, the top two draws coming out of college, you know, this season. So Zion Williamson to New Orleans, John Moran to Memphis makes sense to me. I'm definitely for Mike Conley moving along uh, and going somewhere else and helping another club as well as himself you know, earn something that he deserves. That's an all-star berth, as well as a chance to really go deep in the playoffs to a Western Conference Finals or maybe even an NBA Finals. That's going to bring us to uh, the New York Knicks. A lot of Knicks fans not happy that he get the number one pick. They wanted Zion. But if you are in the area or if you're just a general NBA fan, can you be happy with R.J. Barrett, especially the New York Knicks? What do you think about the Knicks and R.J. Barrett? Are you there, Lynn? You might be on mute. Okay. We don't have you. All right. Experiencing some technical difficulties of showing that Lynn's connected, but not getting any sound. So uh, anytime you want to keep going, maybe it'll break back in. Uh, my thoughts on R.J. Barrett to the Knicks. I mean, if you're a Knicks fan, you, you got to be happy with that. I mean, look, this kid is six seven shooting guard. I think it's going to be important that uh you, like Lynn just mentioned about John Moran, you got to take a guy that is talented. You got to take the best available player on the board. And uh, for the New York Knickerbockers, I just think R.J. Barrett will fit in seamlessly next to the talented players. Uh, when you when you think about last year, you drafting Kevin Knox. You have uh, Mitchell Robinson developing. Uh, you brought in via trade uh, Dennis Smith Jr. And obviously, Nick fans have been speculating all season about the arrival of Kevin Durant and possibly either a Kyrie or a Kemba Walker. So, regardless of the situation, you got to think things are going to be fine for the New York Knicks. I think they'll make the right choice and and not try to do anything fancy and they'll take R.J. Barrett as their selection. So with that said, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to try to reconnect and get Lynn back on the program. Stay with us. Yo, can you hear me? Yes, I got you. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. 
crazy technical difficulties. I was going to uh, send the email up to the to the uh, anchor <laughs> support staff and, and complain. <laughs> now you got me out here, you know, doing ads and everything. Show me love now. <laughs> so, yeah, look, I, I, I gave my two two cents on on, on the and uh, the selection of you know R.J. Barrett mock drafts have him going number three out of Duke. Your thoughts, real quick, on uh, R.J. Barrett uh, to the Knicks, uh, or do you think they should take somebody else there? You know what? I think that's a good pick for them. I mean, once again, pick taking the best uh, player on the board. Um, is he's still the best player at that point? I'm not uh, super confident in this whole in this draft class as a whole. No disrespect, but it's just not a a really deep draft class. So with those three guys, I think they're just going to be the best three players, um, the most obvious three players. Let me say, um, and you got to take them. There's no there's no choice. Those three guys should all go in the first three picks. After that, it's kind of a toss up. Okay. Okay. Look, I'm not going to focus too much on uh, everybody else. We'll, we'll, we'll hit the Lakers really quick. Lakers at four because they're a team that was not projected to be uh, top five in terms of making a selection. They, they come away with the number four pick. Uh, as you mentioned, AD still wants to get a trade and find his way either to, I believe it's the Lakers, Knicks, uh, Bucks. Uh, who's the other team? Was it the Clippers? Um, I can't remember. It was, a, it was a fourth team. I think the Knicks are out of that at this point for me, uh, in my opinion, with with um, with them getting uh, Zion and with the Pelicans. I don't know why they would the, – the purpose of the trade, had, had New York done that trade early with that pick, um, you may have been able to do it. But with them having Zion, you may not need to. You may not need to do it with, with – uh, the Knicks, they don't have enough extra pieces to go along with it. That I can see that. Yeah. Well, one thing's for certain. We know for sure that he is still on record saying he does not want to stay. So chances are uh, David Griffin, who has experience working with Rich Paul, they're going to come together. They're going to figure something out. And one thing's also for certain is David Griffin, the GM, uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans, he's going to make sure he can get the best deal possible for an asset like Anthony Davis. So with that being said, we'll just quickly run through this mock draft. I'm, I'm reading from uh, NBADraft.net. They have DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia, 6'7", 225, played some, you know, the wing position, small forward, power forward there, finishing his sophomore year. They're projecting that he might go to the Lakers. They have the Cavaliers projected to possibly select uh, uh, Kobe White at number five out of North Carolina. Uh, they have Phoenix considering uh, Darius Garland, uh, point guard out of Vanderbilt. Now, this Chicago Bulls at seven, this is your hometown team. What are your thoughts on Jared Culver uh, out of Texas Tech? Should he be available at that seven pick? Because I know I sent you a graphic of a, a different mock draft, I think it was from Bleacher Report, and it had Culver going uh, a much sooner than seven. What are your thoughts on the Bulls? Um, what I can say is that they're um, as much as I have very little faith in the organizations uh, as a whole. They're very good at at drafting, so I can't 
you know, I, I can't slap them around with that. They, they're good at drafting. They know what to draft. Um, they don't always draft the position that we need as a team, but as a whole, historically the Bulls have drafted well. So I trust that they're going to pick a good player. I don't know if Culver is the one I would go with. I think I like Kobe White because we need a point guard really bad. Um, looking at the Bulls' young core, the biggest hole that we have in town right now is at the point guard. Um, I, you'll say, okay, we have Chris Dunn. I don't believe in Chris Dunn at all, never did. Chris Dunn is not the answer in the Bulls for, uh, for the Bulls uh, as far as I'm concerned. You said something uh, yesterday when we were talking that was that has my mind going with the, um, the possibility of a trade say, taking Chris Dunn and trading him to Boston for Terry Rozier. I, I really like that idea. Um, but the Bulls' core, the young core we have is pretty solid. I mean, you got Zach Levine at the two, Otto Porter at the three, Lowry Markkinen coming back, Carter Jr. at the at the center. Well, we, we're missing as a point guard. So hopefully – Man, that's a nice team. It, it is. It is. It, and when that's healthy – that's a we can compete for that eighth spot. Not a championship team, but good enough to compete and possibly be able to get, you know, a good free agent coming over. I mean, a, a Mike Conley type of guy. Hey, what now? What is? Well, let's let's play with that really quickly while we have a, a few moments. What kind of deal do you have to present? What kind of package do you put together to try to acquire a guy like Mike Conley for his veteran leadership? Because that'd be an amazing backcourt. When you're talking about Mike Conley, Zach Levine, as you're your one and your two, and then you still got a guy like Otto Porter who's played with a dynamic point guard previously in his career, like a John Wall, and to, to, to expedite the, the progression of uh, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., and Laurie Markkinen, I mean, Mike Conley just has so much to offer those bigs as well, having played with guys like Zach Randolph and Mark Gasol. I, I mean, I'd say you take, you take that number seven pick and a Chris Dunn and just go get Mike Conley. Is that enough? I, I don't know because I'm not sure what the value is in Memphis for a Mike Conley right now, but he is an older player. and he also, He's also injured, often injured, and a very high contract. So um, the Bulls can accept that they can accept that salary. Um, we have the, the cap room to accept a player at that at that level of salary. We're not talking about someone that's highly desired simply because of the injury history and that high contract. So I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, I don't know if that's enough or not, but you you could work it out. But once again, send Chris Dunn out of Chicago with that seventh pick for Conley. I like it. Okay. I, I, well, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. I'm not mad at that. So, look, I know you said you guys need a point guard, right? Mm -hmm. But, again, if, if if Kobe White's not available, I'm seeing Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt. Uh, John Morena already more than likely, obviously, be off the board. Those are the highest two point guards in this mock draft. Would you reach for any other player um, – in terms of that point guard position. Matter of fact, let me bring up this name here, a guy that you like from the tournament, and they have him going in the second round out of Purdue, Carson Edwards. Would you reach at that spot if you can't get a deal done for, say, a Mike Conley on draft night? I like Carson Edwards a lot. I, for me, he was the best point guard in the tournament. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not sure why they have him so low. Um I haven't done enough research myself to know 
like what the, the, the scouting report is of why they have him so low, but I like him a lot. I think Carson Edwards could be a great asset. I don't know if I reach for him at the seven, but I mean, I'm a risk taker. I, I, I don't own an organization. Like we, we play fantasy in the fantasy world, in the right. fantasy world. I'm taking, I'm taking Carson Edwards. If Kobe White's gone, I'm taking Carson Edwards. Got you. So that's, that's our conversation on uh, NBA draft lottery and what we think uh, about uh, some of these early selections, uh, one through seven. What we'll do is we'll pivot out of that and let's, let's, let's move into what we saw last night between the Toronto Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Lynn, this was highly anticipated matchup, especially coming off of the high Kawhi uh, really dashing and killing uh, the hopes of the Philadelphia 76ers with that uh, Hollywood movie ending four bounces and it drops uh, eliminating my Philadelphia 76ers Raptors move on they take on the Milwaukee Bucks we know the Bucks got Giannis Antetokounmpo Chris Middleton Eric Bledsoe uh, Coach Budenholzer the best record in the league talk about what you saw last night and did it live up to expectations yeah, I mean, it was it was a very good game. It was to be expected. I think the biggest takeaway from the game is going to be, you know, um, Kawhi only having two two points in the fourth quarter. Uh, no field goals made in the fourth quarter at all. Other than that, it was to be expected. Um, I expected a close game. Um, you got guys stepping up that were not the two star names. The biggest, like I said, the biggest takeaway for me is not the loss because I, I expected that portion of it. It's, it um, it's just the fact that Kawhi was able to be controlled in the fourth quarter. They were all over him defensively. Um, I had not seen that from Milwaukee. Milwaukee was swarming on defense on Kawhi. Whenever into the painted area or started rolling down into the painted area at all. He got swarmed and was forced to make difficult shots and change his shot. It was, it was beautiful to watch defensively. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I mean, this Milwaukee Bucks team has, has spent the last few seasons drafting well and, and, and really emphasizing length, right? They wanted to play with pace. They wanted to play with length. Um, I thought the Toronto Raptors actually controlled the pace of the game, especially in the first half. I mean, look, Milwaukee jumped on them uh, with like an 8-0 run. Giannis, I think, scored the first six points. I mean, he was in the passing lane, two dribbles, dunk, uh, and things like that. But all of a sudden, here comes Kyle, and he, he hits a couple of big shots. Siakam gets going. And they get on, I think, like a 14-2 run or something like that. They get a little lead. And from there until we really get into, I would say, the early fourth quarter, it still looked like it was the Raptors' game to, to win. Um, Lowry had a huge night, 30 points, 7 of 9 from three-point land. I mean, that's 78% shooting from behind the arc. Obviously, his best shooting performance of the postseason this year. Um, Kawhi did 31 points, but it didn't feel like he had 31 points, much to, to, to your point of how well uh, the Bucks corralled him in that fourth quarter. 
but something else that really is glaring to me, Glenn, as I was looking at the box scores, and that was the amount of minutes that the Raptors starters played. Listen to this here. You had the big three for the Raptors, Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, and Pascal Siakam at 40-plus minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have Danny Green and Mark Gasol at 35 and 39, respectively. After that, it was like no one else played. Siakam, I mean, excuse me, Serge Ibaka's 17 minutes, were, were, were meaningless. He had four points and four total rebounds. He was a minus 17 on the court. Van Fleet played 13 minutes. He had two points and two assists. He was a minus 10 on the basketball court. And then the only other Raptor to get in the game was nine minutes from Norman Powell. He had six points, and that was it. He was two of four from the arc for his six points, and he was a minus six. That being said... If I'm a Raptor fan, I'm concerned. <laughs> like, this is a problem. Like, we played our starting five. We had the game, and then it was gone. Like, the Bucks took over, and when they took over, it looked like they were in charge the entire night. What's your thoughts in terms of the, the obvious quick turnaround, game two, Friday night, and the starting five logging so many minutes? and still unable to get a win on the road? Uh, I mean, it's not shocking. Just because you're, you're talking about Milwaukee was a great team all season. So you're going to have to throw your, – your starters are going to have to play heavy minutes. Um, the loss on the road, if that was a loss at home, I might feel a little bit different. But you have the, – the, the road itself gives you about a five-point edge. Um, the Once again, the biggest thing is not – for me, the starter minutes, because that's to be expected. You, it's the it's the Eastern Conference Finals. You guys got to get out here and play. I want to see you on the court the, the whole Houston's Give me everything you got. And they did. They played really hard. But the, the biggest thing is Milwaukee's defense against Kawhi at the end of the game where they let Kyle Lowry have to be the star as opposed to Kawhi. And you have he made two points. and I, They weren't field goals. He made two free throws. His his, own, his mm-hmm. only two points in the entire fourth quarter. I mean, after scoring 31. So when you look at it, if you just look at the box score without knowing the details of it, it looked like Kawhi had a great – I mean, it's not a bad game at all because I expect you to have 30, 31 points. That's awesome. But for you to have done that in the first three quarters and then Milwaukee to say, hey, this guy is not scoring in the fourth quarter. And then they right. did. And then they they did yeah. exactly that, which brings me to what I was talking about with the difference in that and the Portland game that we were discussing the other day. Portland did not do that to Steph Curry when he came out and was destroying them. They did not say, you know what, right. this guy, I don't care who else does something, he will not score in the fourth quarter. And I think that's I wasn't in that. I wasn't in those huddles, but that's probably what got said. Somewhat, someone someone after that third quarter said. We are not going to allow him to to beat us, and that's what they did. It was impressive. Right. They said, "You will not score," and they did it. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely what they did. And not only that, uh, the 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 star tonight. I mean, look, we're going to give a lot of love to guys like Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and then on the, uh, and then uh, you still got the Kyle Lowry again. 
best game of this postseason. I mean, he was absolutely on fire. I'm not sure that Kyle continue to to shoot it that well, but right now he looks extremely confident in his shot in that building. Um, but I'm not convinced that the Raptors uh, can beat the Bucks uh, with Kyle Lowry leading the charge uh, like he was last night in terms of like, I think he had 14 points in the fourth quarter and was doing everything he could to try to help his team get that win. But I just don't think um, he's the guy to, to do that. And, and, and the Bucks played it right. Like let's shut Kawhi down and force uh, Kyle or, or Siakam to beat us. And they didn't believe that they could. And, and based on the performance of Brooke Lopez, look, <laughs> Brooke made four of 11 threes and at least three of them I saw him tuck up were just flat out awful. I mean, all he hit was the backboard. <laughs> I was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> but he got hot at the right time. Brooke Lopez, also his best game of the postseason. Uh, 29 points, 11 rebounds, credited with four block shots, uh, 57% from the field. Talk about what Brooke Lopez has meant to this Milwaukee Bucks team during the regular season and his his arrival in the postseason. And Brooke Lopez has been amazing for them. Um, I've always been a Brooke fan. Uh, he got moved around a little bit, and it made his value drop. But as a whole, he's always still been a good player. He just he never needed to be the best player or even the second best player on the team. Like at the at at some point, Brooke Lopez, when he hit the wall of aging, it turned into uh, you can't lean on this guy and, and depend on him to carry the team. But if you make him your you know fourth fifth option, now you got a star. Now you got somebody that's really. In, uh, able to ball and what, what happens is with the Milwaukee team being so deep and not needing him he can just kind of float and do his thing and he's always had a great shot so he's stroking the three he can block shots he's not a great rebounder but he has the offset of a Giannis to help that process and the biggest asset that he brings to the table is his low salary they're paying this guy three million dollars a year which means with this salary like this, you have the ability to maneuver and get other players. So one of your best players or one of your most active players on the, on your starting lineup is a cheap salary. And for, for, for that low of a salary, you're getting a a really good bang for your buck. So I, I love what Brooke is doing. Always have this whole season. He's been, he's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this Milwaukee's buck organization is definitely you know, poised uh, to not only, obviously, they're competing for the championship, but they got a good chance of really winning it because of what you just mentioned, uh, a great job by management, uh, managing salary and salary cap, making um, genius moves, champions moves, if you will, uh, in terms of acquiring uh, player personnel via trade. I thought bringing in uh, Nikola Miritich was was another champions move uh, with his perimeter shooting, he showed up last night with 13.6 boards. Uh, he only made one three-pointer out of his six attempts, but it was timely. Same with Chris Middleton, who didn't have a great shooting night. Uh, he was 4 of 12 from the field and 1 of 6 from behind the arc, but his one three-pointer was timely. Um, and the other thing about Middleton's performance was he uh, he got the memo. If you're going to beat this Raptors team, you have to rebound. 
And uh, Giannis had 14, Lopez had 11, and Chris Middleton had 11. He had a double-double, 11 points, 11 rebounds, uh, four assists. Uh, he could always improve in terms of the, 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 the turnovers. He had four turnovers last night. But I'm not mad at Chris Middleton's performance, uh, a very solid player, an all-star at that. He was a plus 10. And then you got uh, Malcolm Brogdon. The Bucks have been waiting for him to return. And he returned, in my opinion, with a bang. He was he was very uh, active on the defensive end as well as offensively contributing 15 points. He was a plus 18. He led everyone in the Milwaukee Bucks in the plus minus. Talk about what Malcolm Brogdon means to this team coming off that bench right now. He's, he's once again, another solid player coming in off the bench that could start on many NBA teams. Um the Bucks are just deep, and they're full of guys that can put up, you know, 20 points on any given night, which is something that's necessary to win a championship. What, we talk about this all the time. The thing that wins championships is that w- there, there are players on your team that can win a game for you. If you have one guy, go get me one game. Like, not your stars, but those other guys. And Malcolm Brogdon is one of those guys, once again, that can that can win a game for you. If you really need this guy to just show up and give you that 20-plus points, that's going to make a difference. Not 30, not like in any crazy type of game, but a guy that can just come outside and put up 20 the way that Brooke, de- Brooke does. Brooke can win you a game. And if you have role players that can actually win you one game, that's, that's big because you only need four. You get two two games out of your role players and you, and, and you're halfway there. Right. Yeah. No doubt about it. So real quickly, before we move along from the Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks, what are your thoughts on game two Friday night back in Milwaukee? What do the Raptors have to do to get a road win? And what are your thoughts on uh, what the Bucks must continue to do or change if anything to continue winning at home? Um, I think, for the Raptors, they have to figure out. Um, they have to figure out how to just slow the Bucks down on defense. Um, and they're gonna also have to give. If the Bucks are able to stop their star, they're gonna have to figure something out with that. They've got to actually find out, find a way to make some get some easier shots for Kawhi to create some easier shots for him, so that he doesn't have to work so hard uh, like he did in the fourth quarter. Um, just. I, they're so evenly matched. It's hard to have. I don't. I don't have a lot of conversation. I can't. It's just, I just want to watch it. Like it's not right. like the Western Conference series where there's so many different things that you kind of name off to do. I don't really. There is no answer for me when I look at this. The um the Raptors and the Bucks. I don't see like a real answer. It's get out here and play because they're evenly matched and the best teams is going to win. This one I expect to go seven and to come down to the last shot. And it's anybody's game because they're both deep teams and they're both, they both have killer instinct players on both teams. Like Kyle Lowry doing what he's doing right now is, is what I, I told you this before. Like he's the, he's the X factor. If, if the real Kyle Lowry shows up, it's hard to beat uh, the Raptors. But once again, Kawhi's going to have to score. He's going to have to come hard in the fourth quarter. Make it easy on them, like figure something out. But yeah, I I, I just yeah. enjoy watching it. I don't I don't have a prediction on this, or I don't really have a, a go to. Yeah, well I'll say this: Kawhi got up twenty six shots, uh, 
only shot 39% from the field. Lowry was uber efficient on his 15 field goal attempts. The Raptors, in my opinion, got to get more out of a guy like Mark Gasol because if Brooke Lopez is going to be over there killing you, uh, Mark Gasol has to, to step up, meet that challenge. You have the combinations of Mark Gasol and, and Serge Ibaka, and they can't lose uh, the rebounding game. I think postseason basketball a lot of times boils down to who wins rebounds and free throws. And game one, it turned out that the Milwaukee Bucks uh, won the rebounding uh, 60 to 46. <laughs> you just can't have that. And uh, the free throw attempts, 23 out of 27 for Milwaukee and 17 out of 20 uh, for Toronto. So the teams are getting to the line and they shot good percentages, but obviously again, Milwaukee more aggressive, getting more attempts up and owning the glass. And uh, as, as well as, you know, these teams appear uh, sometimes the, the naked eye to, to be evenly matched. From what I'm looking at this box score, if if, if if this turns out like this again in game two, I'm going to have to change my pick of the Bucks in six to the Bucks in four because this, this it, it, it looks futile. You know, when, when you're asking Kawhi, Siakam, and Kyle to play 40-plus minutes uh, against this vaunted Milwaukee Bucks team, that's going eight men deep and getting contribution from all eight guys across the board. So I'm looking forward to game two. Uh, we'll pivot out of that and get into uh, what we have on tap for tonight. The Portland Trail Blazers back at Oracle take on the Golden State Warriors in game two. We talked about this uh, at length in terms of game one. So I won't spend a lot of time rehashing uh, what we discussed about game one. Obviously, we asked that question. What the, what were the Portland Trailblazers thinking, giving Steph Curry and Klay Thompson practice shots, and then they're making them, and they're showing you they're hot and they're in a rhythm and never adjusting defensively. Uh, do, you, do you suspect we're going to see that same approach tonight? No, I don't think they're going to have the same approach Um I think we'll have the same result, but I think the approach will be different. Um, Steph Curry is unstoppable when he wants to be unstoppable. We, we forget that sometimes when, you know, he doesn't have to do as much as he does with, uh, with KD on the court. And same thing goes for, um, for Clay. With Clay and Steph, they, they've been kind of hiding their games uh, the last two seasons. And now that you don't have a KD there, you realize and remember how unstoppable he is. We think about Dame and um, and CJ, and we say, hey, these guys are just unstoppable as a backcourt, but they're the number two backcourt. We have to always remember the number one backcourt is still the Splash Brothers. And the Splash Brothers by themselves with no one else in the way to take shots where, you know, these two guys can take 20-plus shots each, they're unstoppable. And Dame and CJ cannot compete with Clay and and um, and Curry, in my opinion. So same result, but I think a different approach will happen. They'll defend them better, but you can't stop that kid. Understood. So who has to be or okay? What's the expectation in terms of making this a, a closer game or or, or better? Uh, 
don't know what's the word I'm looking for. What do the Blazers have to do to get a win, honestly? I mean, look, you're saying this because you, you think it's going to be still the Warriors get the dub at home, but what do the Blazers have to have happen on their side of the ball to get the win? Um, the Blazers just have to have – they have to play a perfect game. Um, they have to, to – Dame and CJ have to, to overachieve like they've done all season. The, notice the words I said, overachieve. They, they, they play what you call hero ball. You, you mm-hmm. say it best. They played hero ball all season, the entire season, and they have to do that. They have to overachieve, so that means the two of them have to play hero ball. You need Ennis Cantor to get dirty. Ennis Cantor's got to get dirty. Got to get your hands dirty. That's what you do. Get in there, get dirty. I want to see some elbows, some good old-fashioned, you know, old D- D- Detroit Pistons basketball. That's what he's there for. Do your thing. Get in there and get dirty. Like, frustrate some things. I need to see mm-hmm. I need to see Rodney Hood, like you say, with 15-plus points. Um, and, the, and, and those role players, you know, and Aminu, get dirty. Get dirty. Get in step. Get in clay shorts. You know, yeah. you, you got to really get in, get in, 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 a, um, in Draymond's head. You, know, yeah. you, you got to touch the things that are, that are more than just playing basketball. The mental game has to be touched in order for them to really try to compete with this team. You still have another game where, you know, KD's not playing. He's, right. he's committed to not playing tonight. So I want to see Ennis Cantor, man, get, get in Draymond's head. Get Draymond out of yeah. there. Get him teched out. You can get him teched out. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like the sound of that. So what you so what I'm hearing you say is uh step up the physicality, yep. right? Yep. Muck the game up a little bit, involve the referees, you know, force the referees to to determine how they're going to officiate this game. Because look, you can't you can't blow your whistle on every play. So you might have to commit to like fouling. Uh, uh, in terms of your physical play, uh, each possession on your opponent and make it difficult. Like you said, give them something else to think about and just not let them run free, right? Let yeah. them know that yeah. I'm here and you're going to fill me all night and the refs are going to have to decide what it's going to be. Uh, we're deeper than you and we can go to events and, you know, beat you guys as opposed to if, like you said, if, if Draymond gets tossed or if Steph or Clay get in foul trouble, you're not scared of Alfonso McKinney. You're not scared of Kevon Looney or or even Sean Livingston. I mean, look, I love Sean Livingston's mid-range game and what he brings to the table, but if I'm the Portland Trail Blazers, I'd rather have Sean Livingston on the floor than Steph Curry all day, every day, <laughs> and five times on Sunday. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, not a problem at all. I like the idea that I like the sound of that, and uh, I, I agree. The Portland Trailblazers are going to have to be physical, and you called the right names. Another name I would like to add to that mix is Zach Collins as well as Mo Harkless. Mm-hmm. These guys started to perform and make some plays in the last round. I want to see those guys stay engaged, actively engaged. Uh, Zach Collins has the ability to knock down the three-point shot as well as ultra shots in the, uh, around the rim and in that painted area. Uh and you called him out, nail on the head. Enos Kanner got to get dirty. You got to be 18 and 18 tonight. You got to be all over the floor. I know his shoulder hurts. He's getting treatment and all of that. 
you just got to be the man. You got to suck it up and be the man. You may never be at this position ever again in your life in terms of opportunity to advance into the NBA Finals. And then the heroes have to show, like you said, Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, take and make shots. I don't care where where it is. Dame's kind of been in the slump. So law of averages, when you're blazing hot and you hit a slump, at some point there's going to be a breakout. And I'm telling you, when he breaks out, it could be to the tune of 40-plus points. Yeah. That being said, they need that tonight. Yeah. You got to walk away with a split tonight. You don't want to go home down 2-0 because then you're feeling pressure to hold serve to – to get back to Oakland tied up 2-2, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about, like, that's not where they want to be. So I'm with you on all points. This game's got to get dirty, and it's got to get dirty in favor of the Portland Trailblazers uh, immediately tonight if they want to really stay in this contest and, uh, and not be swept because we said this yesterday. If Kevin Durant is, is, is intending, if his plan all along is to return, for games three and four in Portland, that's a psych job, man. <laughs> like, that's a psych job. You know, you playing a major trump card. Like, yeah, we up 2-0, and here I come to close the door. Who going to check me? Mm-hmm. Now you're trying to get a rhythm to guard Kevin Durant, and you only got two games to do it? Yeah, that could be a problem. What do you think about Kevin Durant's arrival for game three and what, the, what difference that might make in this series? Besides the obvious. I mean, <laughs> Kevin Durant's arrival just increases the sweep. That's all. It, it, it increases the chance for the sweep. This is your one game right now. This is why I said uh, I said uh, uh, a five-game series. I said it'll go five. I think that mm-hmm. they can get one. This is the one that they can get. Once KD's back, it's over. There's no, there's wow. no chance. I don't think there's even a question. Like you, the the best bet they have right now is to follow what the Clippers did. The Clippers got dirty. That's why they won the games that they won. That's why they pushed it to a place where no one expected it to be, and they forced uh, Golden State to step up and play but they got dirty. They've got players on that team that did not mind getting their hands dirty. And Lou Williams sat out there. You have two Lou Williams uh, in Portland. You know, you got two Mm -hmm. of them, Uh, but you got to get dirty. You got to like, I hate to call it out for what it is, but I'm an old school type of guy. Like, man, foul out. Yeah. Yeah. Throw them bodies out there. Yeah. Foul out. Yeah. I like that. Hey, so that's hey, listen, Portland Trail Blazers, if you're listening, Blazer fans, better get it out there in the air. Throw something up. Be physical. Take a page out of the Los Angeles Clippers playbook and Doc Rivers playbook from round one. Insert Myers Leonard early uh, and others that uh, you don't expect to contribute much in this particular game. You're just going to use them for their physicality, even if it's a Jake Lehman. Somebody, like you said, has to commit to uh, being the intimidator, if you will, being uh, the roughhouse guy who's just bringing physicality, sets hard screens, lays people down. And if he gets tossed, he gets tossed. We're not suggesting that you be dirty, but we're saying we're suggesting that you get an edge. You need an edge about yourself in this here game tonight. Uh, As Lenny pointed out, your season 
could be riding on it. Uh, listen, Len, thanks, man, for coming through once again. It's been a, a, a great show. Uh, before we wrap up, um, what, what, what you got going on, man, that you want to tell the people about anything happening in the city, anything you're promoting? And all that, where they can uh, follow you and social media and things of that nature. So on social media, follow me at Lenny Hooks, which is L-E-N-N-Y-H-O-O-K-S. Lenny Hooks uh, on Instagram. I'm not on any other social medias right now. No Twitters any, or any other places. Um, just, just living a life, man. Just living a life. Not ready to promote anything at this moment. But living the life, having a good time and enjoying this right here. This is something that we just started. It's going to be a cool thing to be doing. Yes, sir. Thank you once again. Uh, this has been Champions Move for Lenny Hooks. I'm Royce King. You can follow me on social media, on Twitter, at Royce King. You can follow me on Instagram, at underscore Royce King, underscore. That being said, if you're a champion, prove you're a champion. We out. Peace.